Welcome to Scores and Pours. I'm the radio host, Emily Reese. In September 2021, Scores and Pours co-host Jill Mott traveled to Greece to help make wine in the town of Spata with a winemaker named Dimitris Yorgas. He farms his land organically and biodynamically and makes the ancient Greek wine called Retsina in a traditional way, adding resin to wine, which acts as a natural preservative and adds a unique flavor. In addition to making wine, Dimitris and his family make a boiled, concentrated grape must called Petimetsi. A natural byproduct of Petimetsi is a natural grape water. And this is just the tip of the iceberg of Dimitris' many products rendered from grapes, the, like grape juice, cookies, natural face creams. At the end of Jill's time in Spata, she sat down to interview Dimitris about his family's history making wine, a few of his musical favorites, his many grape products, indigenous grapes, and much more. Uh, now, this interview was recorded outside, so you'll hear wind and cars and other natural outside noises. So we are here having tea on a sunshiny morning in Spata, in Attica, Greece. And I'm here with Dimitri Yorgas, mm -hmm. who has maintained some amazing tradition of winemaking and doing great justice by products here, grapes specifically. And I wanted to ask Dimitri, you mentioned before that your father was not always making wine like you make it now. He was making it a different way. Can you tell me a little bit about that process? You told me in the winery already, but for the purposes of the interview. Yeah. Well, the things that time were different. Uh, practically, I believe that uh, every other decade, everything changes in the wine world. And, well, by that time, there was one variety and two, uh, two different wines, okay? Uh, Savatiano was the variety uh, in a very good and very high production because uh, plants um, were set up after uh, the phylloxera of 60s. So 70s, 80s was blooming, booming, and a lot of Savatiano was available. Practically, Retsina, the resonated Savatiano, Retsina, it was the, uh, the traditional stuff. And then after a while, the non-resonated wine started to appear. So the young people and the more, I mean, more light taste, it was uh, the non-resonated first was called it, and then was uh, given the name Sabatiano. Vinification was traditionally in big cement tanks uh, of 50 tons, three or 50 tons. And uh, the wine then was uh, going in a very old cask or very old uh, big uh, walnut uh, barrels. They stay for one or two months just to get mature. We're very neutral. The walnut or the chestnut? Chestnut uh, casks? The, the, or the, the, wal the uh, walnut, uh, walnut, yes. Okay. The walnut nuts, they, they mean they'd be given from generation mm. to generation from my grandfather, yes. And then it was sold uh, bulk, 
um, the main uh, the main production was sold like a most because that time the tavernas and the restaurants of that time they serve uh, they buy they buy the most and they fermenting they 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 make it to wine they change to wine on the moon and then when they run out they buy in the summer wine to get over the the season so this this was the case yes and you told me you had mentioned something about the enologists at the time they were the, the authorities nobody questioned the enologists at the yes uh, uh, yes that, that, that's right <coughs> though, because uh, people of this time with a very few exceptions they were the uh, the children that they grew up uh, throughout the war or just after the war so education was very limited so um, uh, making wine it was something mm-hmm. traditional but I mean everybody was knew that but they didn't get the responsibility to work them on them own and it was you know the mainstream everybody was following the mainstream so uh, the enologist was the authority the enologist was deciding designing what wine uh, I mean you're going to produce maybe you talk a little bit about a little bit here a little bit there but so you know the enologist in order to stay uh, to be uh, quiet and not have troubles, they use all the possible uh, additives in order to ensure that the wine is going to stay alive for at least one year. Mm-hmm. So th- there was no doubt about mm. that. And of course, this was uh, one of the big, um, not curious, but more, you know, a kind of debate with my father why you don't uh, remove that or you do, why you do this and the other. Yeah. Did you ever have any ideas? Like, hey, Dad, why don't you uh, try this or try that? Did he ever say, sure, Dimitris? Or was he always like, no? Yeah, uh, again, many, many parents, many uh, fathers of that kind, they were authority by themselves, you know. As I'm joking, the description as I'm joking is that they were padre padrone, very strong family personalities, no question that what the recommendations that they be giving is the best thing. So even if they were alternatives, they cannot hear. Yes, so I have to obey my father, whatever decision he makes. And my ideas were, he says, keep it for yourself when you're going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and you you'd said that you were in the cellar from 14 years old or something, yeah? For 12 years old, yes. Wow. Yes, because my father was um, in the fields and they're bringing the wine and I have to process, uh, bringing the grapes, sorry, and I have to process it and uh, get the most, prepare the most, and then to distribute the most in, in the night where the people, they coming and they buy for uh, restaurants or whatever, hmm. yes. Now, in the in the when you were growing up in the sixties, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this year is the forty sixth harvest of mine. Oh my gosh! Forty sixth harvest. Wow, I'm lu- I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> very lucky. I'm very lucky. I'm quite old uh, <laughs> harvester. <laughs> harvester. Yeah. Dimitri has been uh, he's been making wine, or, or or I should say, harvesting, making wine, helping his father making his own wine since I was three years old. People, that's a that's a that's a long time. <laughs> a lot of knowledge, a lot of wisdom. So in the 60s and 70s, 
you were listening. We we always have music on in the winery, always. <laughs> and there's been a lot of when the talking heads come on, Dimitri mm-hmm. starts to hum along. Now, what um, Dimitri's what? Besides rock, and there's a great radio station, by the way, everyone. It's called Cosmos. You should check it out and stream it. It's very fun, very varied type of music. When you're not listening to rock or 60s, 70s, things that you love from your youth, do you have, A, do you listen to classical music, and B, do you listen to jazz? Yeah, um, you know, uh, when I was young, my, my father was accusing me that I spent all my money to buy... A vinyl, you know, and imported vinyl from UK because not all uh, records they coming in Greece, so you have to pay double or triple time to get rare vinyls and so on. Pardon the car, everyone. There's a lot of activity going on at the Yorgas household. Um, pardon us here. Okay, so we're back. There needed to be a market conversation or something. I heard the word petimetsi throwing around, mm-hmm. um, which we can talk about that in a moment. But so, as you were saying about the vinyl, things took three times longer to arrive here. They were more expensive. Uh, they were more rare. By that time, I was following music. Uh, I was I knew who was playing with with whom, and then has get in this group and this uh, and you know my my best uh, my best um, uh, let's say activities to buy the, to, to hear the LP in my Wi-Fi system hi-fi system and to really enjoy everything a little bit loud so of course there was a lot of classical music specific uh, for seasons Vivaldi for instance Ooh. it was amazing by the time uh, not much but uh, my selections I've got a selection in classics and then, you know, there were always people from the rock groups at that, that, that time that they play in a jazzy way. But um, um, uh, my jazz infusion was came when uh, I start bottling, and uh, the guy who was doing the graphics in our labels. All the time he was playing jazz in his office, and then any time we gathered together, I says, "Who is uh, thinking? Who is that? Who is that?" And I uh, keeping notes. So I start buying jazzy music or getting more jazzy in the, my my selections throughout radio, throughout concerts, throughout years. And then I I, I came across the jazz world because one of my good friends was a. Uh, night jazz producer in a broadcast in a good station by that time and then we <laughs> we like each other and she start making short uh, spots you know uh, 10 second spots jazzy spots about our wines because oh, yeah. uh, because all the Syrah Seira series they have a sax you know Oh, that's why no. they have the saxophone, yeah. Yes, and uh, Syrah too has Miles Davis. It's a part of Miles Davis' record. Huh, okay. Yeah. So, yes, this was my... Now I, I very much like... I mean, jazz is my choice uh, most of the time. Ah, okay. So who who uh, is your favorite... Because on my podcast, we... 
of, we, of course, we talk about Miles Davis and John Coltrane and, you know, the, the big ones, mm -hmm. the, the, the greats, as it were. But we also, we love to talk about Sonny Stitt or Art Farmer or Donald Byrd, people that maybe folks haven't heard of so much. Do you have a favorite um, B-side or, or un, not underground, but lesser known jazz artist? Um, not uh, well. If I sit down, I can tell you many. Mm -hmm. But jazz is like the wine. I mean, in the right moment, I prefer or I like whatever what is preferred according to my timbres or my, uh, according to my mood. Definitely, I like uh, a sort of beat behind. I like a lot of uh, self improvisation. Mm. There are many all over the ages. Yeah. And now I, I'm not the type of person I'm sitting down and spend two hours uh, exclusively, uh, you know, feel the music. <laughs> but the music is around in the night where I'm texting, computing, or while we're working in the winery. It's a very good friend when you work all alone. Mm -hmm. Yes, during the, to prepare the wines. Yeah. Yeah. When when, when um, Dimitri says doing the emails and the texting, the first thing I think about is all the bureaucracy that um, winemakers have to go to to True. produce not True. only wine but good wine and export their wine and have organics and, uh, and certification and, and all that Certified stuff. Certified wines, getting number, protected geographical zone, declare quantities to the national bureaus. Uh, yeah. So, and Emily, will, my co-host, will speak to you. I'll have her play something for you that is has a sort of beat and will dedicate a song and will... I'll let you know when she chooses something, when she listens to this and feels the mood and is like, I want to choose this for Dimitris because she hasn't met you, but I'm sure I'll share stories and she'll hear your voice. Um, she's tasted your wine before and, and really enjoys it. Mm -hmm. The keyboardist, Les McCann, is one of Dimitris favorite jazz musicians with no shortage of groovy tunes, so that's why I chose this one called Blues for Ina Ina. We talk about philosophy a lot here uh, at the winery when we have time, when we sit down with, I did harvest with a, um, and worked in the cellar with a great Danish kid named Nils Beyer. And <laughs> yeah, kid, he's uh, about two and a half meters tall, no, about two meters plus. But it was, most of the time it was Dimitris, Nils, myself, and then we would um, hang out very often with Maria, Dimitris's wife. And when we would sit around the table, and we would be having some wine. Sometimes the conversation would be nice and light and we're learning about each other, and other times it would be get uh, heavy. Um, so let me ask you, Dimitris, in the philosophy world, the world of words, do you have a favorite classic philosopher or classic poet that you has inspired you over the years or you've learned from? Well, it's, um, I wouldn't say philosophy. Philosophy, it's, it's a 
it's a structural component in agriculture. We've got quite a lot, and uh, we use phrases in everyday life that they 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 said or they uh, distill the reality in one or two couple of a couple of words. You know. Um, yes. Uh, these things are, let's say, wise things, and I'm using it if I like to brief something. Uh, and uh, the, the thing is that I wouldn't say that this is philosophy. Um, I would say that this is, let's say, my spiritual body. Because, um, you know, as you're getting old and as you evolve with biodynamics, you cannot avoid that. You cannot say, I don't see, they don't exist. Uh, and I think it's very important uh, as a viticulture first and as a winemaker to to talk <laughs> with my spiritual existence or uh, whatever is that. Uh, and uh, there are many, for instance, uh, Heraclitus is, just came into my mind which says uh, everything is flow, everything flows. You cannot enter in the same situation, in the same river twice because the things are flowing, they're progressing. Mm -hmm. uh, as, as deep as that, or, you know, or like rolling stones, <laughs> everything is rolling mm -hmm. and no, no grasses or no weeds they're getting over the stone because it's a rolling stone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, yes, yes, this, this is... Now, when did the the first um, the the person that you mentioned uh, half a minute ago? When was his life? When did he live? Do it was um, um, before, a little bit after the uh, ancient Greek era, in the beginning of before the Romans, and he was he was the one that he most of the Indian philosophy, the India India philosophers, they step on in order to talk. And there are many, um, how you say, remakes, we say music? Uh, covers, covers. Uh, when you play again the same song, but, yep. yes. but a different, but a different yes, artist. A remake, yeah. we call it. Okay. And there are many remakes of his uh, volumes or his main speeds ah. by Indian poets, writers, you know, philosophers or whatever. They've, they've kind of covered or remade the Heraclitus texts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hmm. It was the... Uh, the one which was closest to Oriental philosophy. Hmm. And this may be a little bit heady for scores and pores uh, and a little bit big, but I, I wondered if there's a way to distill... Philosophy is such a large topic, and I think to say Greek philosophy is not doing it justice because there are a lot of different parts to it. Is there a specific Greek philosopher and a specific energy or something in the biodynamic world that you see there can be a common link to? There's not only one. Uh, the thing is that biodynamics, they built it from Steiner, an Austrian guy in the beginning of 19th century, 1910, And this guy did the distillation. He picked the, he picked the best of everything by that time. And he started talking about, about anthroposophy. And uh, apart, there were many, they're almost all the pantheon of the classical uh, writers or philosophers, plus a little bit of um, not Erasmus and the Latin philosophers. And this is, uh, this is the, the main island.
Yes, people they come in with planes and yoga family. Sure. <laughs> this is another uh, another person to come and work harvest. Dimitri needs more help, so he's getting them shipped in yeah. via helicopter. Okay. All right, uh, as you were saying. Yeah. Uh, uh, so uh, uh, there is a good repercussion uh, update in the 19th century by the Greek philosophy, who finally came in. Yes. Via Steiner. Okay. I don't know if it's this answers you answer your question. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's um, it was kind of a the question in my mind is a little bit more succinct, but we'll we'll circle back. What is a grape varietal out of all the grape varietals? Many people ask, uh, say, Pinot Noir is finicky in the world of wine. It's hard to work with. Out of all the varieties you work with, because you work with several, what is the? Do you mind listing the grape varieties you work with, and then which is the most difficult in well, the vineyard? I can make my comment <laughs> next to every variety, <laughs> because you know. Please, uh, yeah. Yes, uh, uh, it's worth to me to hear because. Um, vines are not like cucumbers. You you build once you 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 plant it once or twice per year, so you adjust to what type of cucumbers you like. Uh, sour uh, vines. You you plant it once in your life because they live 50 years minimum, or the next, or you get them from other people choices. So uh, the local choice was Sabatiano. Everything, all the vineyard around was planted on Sabatiano. And it was a little bit of mandilar. It was just a very tough and very uh, indigenous red one in in the central Greece and and some islands. But it was used exclusively to to make uh, the home reds. And the home reds were not exactly red. They are reddish because this is a white wine zone, etc. So uh, when I have to replant it, this was the beginning of 2000, 2000, 2002. The attitude, the local attitude was that the local environment, uh, wine environment, was that uh, Greek wines were not that well known in the States and they just getting out in Europe. So uh, the idea of that time, the way we work, the way we export was that to produce funny French varieties. So I vinify uh, Sardonnay with a little bit of Sabatiano. So here we've got a funny, Sabati funny Sardonnay. Okay. Mm -hmm. So uh, at that time, uh, I have planted uh, Sardonnay, which is one of the hardest, um, let's say, varieties to grow it in this uh, Africa latitudes where we live. So it, it is it is very small. It is very sweet. It comes very early. And uh, practically, you cannot age it. I mean, you, you, I mean we sell it uh, young Sardonnay, like in the South France or whatever. Uh, then I plant um, a lot of Merlot, which I love it, because Merlot can, can, can go together with all the Greek varieties. And you can work with a young Merlot, you can age Merlot. I love this cherry, of, of, of the, the cherry component of Merlot. And I've got Syrah. Syrah, it's, uh, I love the depth of Syrah and the, 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 the aromas. Although Syrah, it's very hard to cultivate it. Uh, small berries, uh, very high demand in water. Uh, it suffers in August, okay? Mm. So it's shrinked when we... Yeah, the uh, berry is very small. Yeah, mm. and we get 14 uh, Beaumet for fun, you know, it's easy. <laughs> So you have to 
to get it uh, very, very early, and all the families, it's, uh, it's arguing on that because earlier than that is the, you know, is the summer holiday, so I have to quit the summer, the family summer holidays, and I start <laughs> to harvest, which is another problem. <laughs> And then uh, uh, from the Greek varieties, we've got uh, Malagouzia, which is the local muschat in the central green, very flowers, very aromatic. And Asirtiko, which normally, um, uh, not normally, I mean, uh, one, another attitude is that whatever, uh, not blend, but covinification or combination of varieties we like, we have planted it in a single uh, vineyard so we, we grow them and we pick them exactly at the ratio and at the same time more or less and they go to the same time and they produce a label. So all the labels, they're down in the vineyard. This Asirtico uh, Malagouzia uh, vinification. They're planted together. They are planted together in the ratio you see on the label. Hmm. So uh, this is it. Uh, and this is this was um, you know decades ago and centuries ago this is the insurance policy right like things were planted together because in a decent year for Malagusia then maybe it's a not so good year for a like you always have wine you're always yes. you know it's it's going to be a good representation of the the place but you're always going to have wine was that the yes, idea this is, yeah this is true sometimes it's more quantities sometimes it's less quantities but yes we can handle that uh, Malagusia is very sensitive to oidium in this uh, in these terrains uh, the problem is not the rain is not the wet is not the mildew or rotting or whatever it, it's it's the dryness and the French varieties they are very vulnerable to oidium so in the springtime we have to be very careful uh, we use quite a lot of sulfur or sulfur-like techniques not to get uh, infected by oidium and we have no problem uh, with, uh, with other disease, uh, botrytis or whatever. So uh, Cooper, it's almost non-used here. Hmm. We are extremely arid. We have arid periods of five, six months and we learn our vines to, to, to succeed, to fed by the uh, manager in the skies, the rain, the rain manager in the skies, and uh, the notice is that we have to do it even good because um, dry days they are coming, so we coming back to our father's way of of cultivating. We do deep plowings okay. in order to help the vines to develop deep roots, so they can survive in 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 the heat stresses and the drought periods. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, it was this year. It was a very good example. You know, uh, worldwide we've got high temperatures around July and beginning of August, and the response of the old vines, it was excellent. You don't see dry leaves. Everything was good. It was a very good year for old vines. When I'm saying old vines, I'm talking about plantations of 60s, so they are almost 50, 60 years. They are 60 years old. Where the young plantations, they suffer, you know, small berries, a uh, few leaves, they are lost, they're dry, yes. Okay. Who, yes. Who, is the, um, who is the Greek god of weather or precipitation or things like that? Is there one specific? Well, it, it's amazing because uh, the water entities, they have different governors. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> okay. The winds was Aeolos. Aeolos. Aeolos, okay. yes. 
And uh, the, the, the rain, the beneficial rain for agriculture was Dimitra, Dimitra, or ah. Artemis, ah. the fertility, uh, carrying, I mean, judging the fertility of the crops and how, yes. Huh. Um, there were many entities. The seas was a different entity. Eh? Yeah. Uh, because uh, by that time, the hydrological cycle was not, has not been invented yet. Yeah. So people, by that time, they didn't realize that the rainfall, it's the ocean mist, which is cycled, mm -hmm. the hydrological cycle will yeah. end in, in, in primary school, right? So there were many entities, yeah. Hmm. It's it's true. Very arid climate uh, here. We Nils and I. There was one day of maybe a quarter of a day of rain, and it it kind of like um, I guess burped on the spot that like and it was over. And yeah, you can count the drops that they came you down. Can, yeah, <laughs> and we literally it, it has been. There's been a little bit of clouds coming and going, but it's been warm. It's been beautiful. Lots of sun, uh, which for people in the north we love it. But yeah, that cause a little, cause a little stress on the on the vines uh, for sure. Is there anything that you would like to tell people about? wine specifically from this the Attica region because I think people they're learning about Greek wine because of at least now I think a lot of people are coming to Greek wines via importers like Aris that are taking a chance on great you know f winemakers that are doing fun things that are making you know orange wine here or they're keeping the Retsina tradition alive or like the Mandalari we drank it last night and we drank it on the first night I was here I didn't get the opportunity to actually harvest it and see it um, come into the cellar, but it's a very pleasant wine, a very easy wine to drink. It's uh, a little, kind of a little bit juicy, kind of a little bit lean. It's very easy to drink, and it's it's a wine that if I didn't know what it was, I would say, without trying to be fashionable, it is very fashionable. Anybody that wanted to get an orange wine or a petnet would love the Mandalari Sabatiano. People are coming to Greek wine because of these orange wines and these things that are happening. But I don't think that that's necessarily the only face or, or what Greek wines are about or Attica wines. So if there's some things that you would like to say about Attica wines, what, what, would, what would you have to say about the wines that are made here? I tell in the way uh, what recommendation I, I can offer to, to your clients or friends or whatever about Greek wines. One thing is that standing in the vineyard, you can almost see Acropolis or you can see other temples in the <laughs> distance. So, uh, and always they, they were in antiquities. So it's definitely very sure that vines were here. And this is the one thing. So it's a long tradition behind, which sometimes this is an anchor. You cannot uh, produce uh, a funny wine. Okay, this is the one thing. The second thing is Attica, it's very dry. It's, uh, some people, they, they just making jokes and they say you're the African part of Europe or whatever. So uh, grapes, they growing in a very specific environment. There is a lot of calcium, there is a lot of dryness. So the wines, they've got a strong character. They've got a strong mouth. You, you, you're coming across full body, high body wines instead of, uh, how you say, essence or aromas. Ethereal or and ethereal, finesse. And yes. Yeah. These are what we call the secondary aromas that they develop uh, three months after bottling. And Sabatiano is a good pioneer on that. So uh, I believe that our wines, 
they always offer a, a strong mouth, right? And my recommendation is trust your mouth, uh, accompany them with small piece of food. You don't have to cook three hours to get to get over. But there are wines that they working better with, but on the table of every on everyday table with something. It's not wines you can order in a bar and have it dry. Uh, and uh, the style of winemaking, in order to produce uh, zero wines, we 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 have a lot of maceration. I mean, tannins sometimes they even in whites and even in Savannah, you know, they have to sit down and wait for three months in order to get mature, and then you're getting over a fabulous, a fantastic wine. And this as far and yes, it, it's not very easy to produce. Uh, I mean, to 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 deliver uh, a certain winemaking, uh, let's say, behavior <laughs> overseas. I mean, mm -hmm. our continents they are just in the other side of the planet. So, please feedback. I mean, if something you like or is something that you think you like more, just give a feedback somehow hmm. uh, and the best thing is to, to, to give it straight to the producer yeah. uh, if you like a biscuit you don't uh, get to a channel and you're talking about biscuits you, you get the manufacturer says please can you make it's one with more cinnamon or your cinnamon is too much I cannot breathe so you so, like so you like the feedback you yes like yes uh, normally we get the, a kind of feedback from our importer, from our exporter, importers in the U.S., mm -hmm. that the people next year they go towards low alcohol, or they love um, this type of of vinification, or uh, they have just discovered this variety. Can you make it not so tough, uh, right? Because uh, I don't, I, I wouldn't say that wine is a fashion. But wine undergoes a fashion for a number of reasons, right? Uh, in my father's uh, periods, I mean, the best wine was the high alcohol wine, 13, 14. Okay, now people, they don't go for high alcohol. High alcohol, it's a security. Uh, alcohol is preserved, wine is very, very good. Okay, uh, but now, you, I mean, people, they like 13, it's extreme for them, which is the normal. Bomefo in this region, so they go 12, they go 11 something, uh, they ask him for 6, which is not possible with in the yeah. actual world. Uh, sometimes they ask for no alcohol and say, get to the next store where you might find something. Mm -hmm. Not here, sorry. Here's your agiorgetico water. Have that. Yeah, yeah, if you like uh, zero wine, I mean, drink a urethical, drink a juice, you, a grape juice. Yeah. Why you like to, no alcohol in alcoholic beverage? Yeah. I'm not making these funny combinations. Go to the next store, they are specialists on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you mentioned food when you're like, have have a little little snack, a little something with, with these wines from Attica. So Retsina is something that I think a lot of people are warming up to, at least in my region. Um, warming up to is a funny term because not only is it pretty cold there often, um, but they're warming up to this idea of a, what a resonated wine can be. I think they come to it for tradition and they stay there for flavor. What would you pair with Retsina, the resonated wine? Well, one time, I mean, once I have visited New York and we went around the wine bus, it was amazing that it was serving glass of Retsina 
uh, all alone. Okay, mm-hmm. and I would say, people, are they go for that in the middle of the day or in the middle of the night? Uh, yes, it's intrigating because it's Eretzina, it, it's from another world, it's from another skepticism, okay? But um, I think that something local which perfectly fits with Eretzina is this black, uh, shrinked, uh, sun dried olives, which we call it thrubes. Oh, yeah, one. yeah, um, it, It's something we use in exhibitions because if you're serving and if in the wine tasting, if you have to move from a Sardone to Retsina, it's very hard. It's, yeah. It's like kicking down the gears, you know? Mm-hmm. So in order to clean or to accompany, we need the maturity of the black olives and the salt in order to clean a little bit and then to release, to, to understand the Retsina uh, taste domain. So olives are good and especially this sun-dried thruba, it's it's the, the description of this olive. It's locally made, I mean our grandparents they used to make that. And then uh, Greek salads, you know, with this fusion with fetas and oils and onions, you know, it's first. <laughs> Maybe with Sabatiano. Another thing you can hardly find in, in the States is this magic fresh daily fish sardines, you know. Oh, yeah. So, uh, a fresh fish, uh, the, so, the small fish, okay, that you usually fry. It's not the uh, uh, chippies, uh, fish and chips, you yeah. call it in, in, in the UK or whatever. It's something different. It's very fresh. They have just fished last night and you, you cook it very, very mild. You, you grill it, okay, mm. with oregano. This is an excellent pear. And if, you, if you're coming across very strong red sinus with high content of resin, then you go towards a strong taste, like garlic uh, spreads or okay. uh, they, they stand good, they support red sinus. Yeah, garlic, garlic is a really high, I know a lot Tzatziki, of people... garlic yogurt okay. with cucumber, very good. And uh, we make a garlic pate, which accompany uh, fried, uh, f- f- it's something like Flanders. A special plate. Mm, that sounds delicious. And I, I know a lot of my friends and people that I like to share a meal with, they love a lot, you know, garlic flavor, strong flavors. And it's, it's. Uh, I think it's honestly a very hard pairing for wine. Barbecue is and excellent so, for it, you know. Ah. Barbecue. Okay. Barbecue. So barbecue, garlic. So for those of you that want to enjoy Retsina and you want to eat something with it, per Dimitri's suggestion, great suggestions. What would you pair with the mandalari? Sabatiano well, Milani, it's um, it's uh, it's more easy to pair. You can get it dry. You coming back from office, you you just open a, a, a mandelari. You don't open the resina. Eh? Mm-hmm. Um, it is it is more to the present days. I mean, it's more elegant. So mandelari, it's a twenty four hours around the clock. I would say mm-hmm. you can have it with breakfast, or you can <laughs> enjoy it in the late. Uh, and, it, and it pairs, I would say, with light plates, okay, white plates. It plays good in pasta with whatever topping, mm. plays with mushroom. So it plays part of the whites and it plays uh, mainly in the rosé domain, okay. Uh, and it's, I think there are many, I, I wouldn't recommend something. With salads, it's easy. It's easy going. So go to the fridge, basically. Just open the fridge and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, all right. Well, I I um, was looking at the time here, and I I am I know that uh, Dimitri has a day of. Are you going to distem? 
Are you taking the not today, but part of the um, mass accelerator? Uh, yes, uh, the mass accelerator. Yes, we're going to empty the mass accelerator and then press because uh, this time we're making uh, aureitico. We squeeze aureitico and we get the water out of aureitico, and the remaining thing is something that the. Uh, uh, that Jill can describe you verbally. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. actually, I would love for you to quickly, before we depart, I'm um, on my way to Athens, and I know, Dimitri, I'm already very fortunate that usually at 8.30-ish, half past 8-ish, it's time to go to the winery, and we are long past 8.30-ish, so I uh, very much so appreciate Dimitri's time The thing with is that... We are the owners, <laughs> and we can, do, we can set up our day. So <laughs> it's very true. A little bit. It's very true. I wanted to ask, um, can you describe for people, because I, one of the reasons why I sought out Dimitris to work was because of his maintaining a tradition of Retsina. I've heard great things about the other wines, but then I also, when I went online, he makes agiorgitico water. I was like, what? how are you making water? drinkable water, no alcohol, out of grapes. So do you mind talking about the grape juice, so the must, going to the concentrator part, and then petimetsi. I know it's a process. Okay. So tune in, guys. Go go to the bathroom, Get a, make some popcorn or something, open up a glass of wine, because this is going to be a few minutes. <laughs> yeah, the, what you like to start with first, petimetsi well, or the grape well, juice? Let's start with the juice, because it's the first... You know, we have the grapes and we press them. So, okay, thank you. I do it the other way around because uh, Petimesi <laughs> is going is coming from a deeper century. Uh, you know, um, uh, my, my family has to survive with these pieces of vinegar. You know, throughout a long period of time, with crisis of 1930, with wars, where food was not uh, that available. And remember, if you go back from 60s, sugar was not uh, available in the level that we go now. We go into the kiosk and we buy one kilo for nothing. Mm -hmm. So uh, families, uh, in order to be uh, sustainable and food independent, they have to produce, they have to collect figs because figs were indigenous here. So they dry figs. So this was a sweetener you can eat or you can cook as far as you can cook with these things. And then the sugar, the, the main sweetener was the extremely uh, long boiled grape juice. So everybody from all the surroundings, they coming over Sparta or, or, or this part of Athens to buy uh, a small amount of fresh uh, pressed grape juice and then they go into the kitchen and they boil it and they get a heavy heavy like you know a dark asphalt like mm -hmm. something heavy which is called petimesi of course this is a, 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 a space food what is a space food you have to to carry in your rocket or your <laughs> satellite a small volume which has a boom <laughs> of nutrients yeah uh, so petimesi is a, it's a small I mean, a, a bottle, uh, one quart, one, how you say, you count, uh, like a, a quarter of a kilo, Okay. it's equal to three to four kilos of fresh grape. Incredible. So the one goes in the back of your pocket and the other you have to <laughs> carry yeah. and to take care. So people, they use it in, in, in the sweet things to make it so everybody was feeding on Petimesi, especially during the wars. And now the things has changed. 
and petimedzi it's a very good medicine for iron deficiencies and a, cal a source of calcium because it's the, one of the extra uh, top things and sore throats during the winter. So many alternative uh, medicine people, doctors, they prescribe to women or to whoever have a, a, a iron deficiency, petimezi, a, sp mm. a, 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 a big spoon in the morning, uh, because it's the most, uh, let's say, tasteful <laughs> iron supplement you yeah. can get from uh, from this. So we we used to, I mean, our parents they make petimezi for the home, and in the same context we make petimezi for some people. So petimezi was a product that we started uh, very early when we started when we started bottling. And uh, the other thing is that the juices, and then uh, as we involved with biodynamics and anthroposophy, uh, the question which has uh, early risen is uh, how we can offer uh, the quality of the products we make without uh, the alcohol breeds. Uh, this question is coming, uh, it, it's very popular even nowadays because people, they like to enjoy something good but then, uh, they, for a number of reasons, they don't like alcohol. Mm -hmm. There are many, many reasons. So, the answer is, uh, uh, the answer uh, from the inner part of the winery is that, you know, at the time you press the grapes and you, you taste them, it's, this thing is fantastic, you know, mm -hmm. whatever the, gra the grape variety is. The question was how we can offer this to uh, to someone, to a consumer, which is in a distant place or in the middle of of the winter. So uh, we developed uh, these grape juices, which was really um, in a new production line. Uh, we 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 use tetra pack. We pack in tetra pack thing, aseptic uh, paper containers, uh, pasteurized uh, fresh grape juice from two varieties. So, um, without any addition, no sugar, no corrections, no, no changes, native. And I think, uh, from what our client says, it's, it's the best product after the raw grape when you got it on season. Mm. We've got very many returns. It's very important, especially the red juice. It's, it's a high nutritive thing. Sport people. Um, early stomach cancer people. I mean, mm. we have heard a lot of stories, and it was something that uh, uh, it offers our quality, and it's it's more useful to everyday table. Okay, kids they can drink, old people they can drink. Uh, some people they heal on that mm -hmm. uh, product, and it's not only the fun of wine. Yeah. Right. Uh, so this was uh, this was uh, the attempt. This was. Uh, something who has started in uh, 2002-2003 and it has uh, helped us to pass over uh, a crisis, economic crisis because we sell less wine and we can balance by the steady or the high amounts of, 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 of grapes. Okay, so Agirugitiko, the red grape from Palpanese, so south of here, how do you make grape water? Okay, yes. So in this business, in this uh, procedure of, uh, of uh, making uh, the grape, I mean, we have to, 
to wait in order to finish uh, processing their grapes and then to transfer in another line, which is distant and is not ours. So how we keep the fresh uh, uh, juice without using funny tricks with uh, preservatives, without frozen it and without ruining it. And the answer is to get it in a high, uh, uh, high sugar content. And as you know, uh, grapes, they have a lot of sugar within. So what we did is uh, we concentrate. Yes, you say, okay, we concentrate uh, through from 70s, from 90s. Yes, we concentrate. But the state of the art is that we get an instrumentation from Italians that uh, they, they, there is a vacuum technology that we can concentrate the native, the, the raw juice in ambient temperatures between 25 and 30 degrees. And this is something amazing because the, the, the sensitive clusters of the, of, of the grape are not spoiled. Mm -hmm. Because if uh, industry is, uh, is, is, doing, is concentrating in 70, 75... And we're talking and about 80s. Celsius here. Celsius, yes. So. yes. It's a Celsius domain here. Mm -hmm. Uh, you have to work out. Sorry, <laughs> to, to with your calculator. No how problem. Much. Yes, but uh, uh, what I try to mean about uh, the measurement standards, uh, we we concentrate at the temperatures that they are outside from the concentrator because now 25 degrees it's the average, mm -hmm. and 30 is it's the ambient temperature when we peak. So uh, the high nutritive cluster it's offered to our it's juices. It's maintained, yeah. Yes, you don't lose these uh, uh, funny vitamins like E, like Bs, and things. To that, high, yeah. to high temperatures, yes, yeah. Yes, you don't it, ruin it. So this is the state of the art, and um, we are the first that we're doing, I would say, worldwide. Now this technology is available because these machines they 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 made in the purpose to increase the alcohol title. In Northern Europe, well, they have to work with a nine or ten bome, but they love to 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 have a label on twelve and thirteen, not with using additives because mm. additives is a long story. We're going to talk in another <laughs> thing. So uh, when this uh, concentrator was working, you know, in one end the liquid part, the water part of the the grape, the the juice, the the. It was coming out, and then we are focused on the uh, sugary, colorful, magic uh, syrup was coming to the other end. And then uh, while we're working, I mean, this this water was coming cold out from this, and we used to drink and say, well, this is good. I mean, you can, you are not thirsty for long. You have power, you mm -hmm. see. So we start collecting, and there was no market for this. And then we start saying, well, look, this is the, the vegetal, uh, the vegetal uh, the water. I mean, do you like it? And uh, people in the farmers market they 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 go for that. And then we start bottling. Of course, we produce uh, ten parts, and we can sell only one part. Yeah. So we have nine parts waiting, and uh, we start analyzing this water, and we found that uh, this is a zero calories water. It's transparent. The nose and the mouth it gets you directly to the grape, so yeah. it's low pH. So we found a lot of um, uh, uh, a lot of good uh, characteristics. A lot of nutritious. It's right? nutritious. It's a very good detox. Mm. In detox diets, the next day diet after a hangover, if you stay on that, you, you clear faster. Mm. 
And uh, the other thing, it has a very important cosmetic dimension because uh, uh, 3.5 is the skin pH, so it's 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 compatible to the skin uh, treatments, to creams. So we built three uh, cosmetics on this, and. Um, the, uh, the how you say the natural cosmetic industry they they love that and they start buying uh, also uh, in the distilling processes uh, when you distill it normally you end up something which is 50 alcohol and you like to bring it down in 40 so this is the best thing to introduce in the 50 distillery to bring it down many people they just buy uh, distilled water mm -hmm. But grape water, it has the stay. It has all the grapes, and it's much, much tasteful because of tartaric acid. Yeah. So uh, practically, we, we have found the market, and we developed this uh, uh, dry, still grape water. It's sold, and now we are about to offer something bubbly uh, <laughs> grape water in small portions because you know it was a family fridge a liter a glass bottle. And I think, I mean, this is the new uh, target, yes. So grape water, it's, it's fun. Uh, well, we are living in a world of waters, aromatized waters, water with bananas, water with pineapple yeah. taste. But this is something else. I mean, we love to offer native things, raw yeah. things, without doing any funny tricks. So this is the water in the uh, grape berry. It's, it literally it's, is... It's, it's excellent by itself. You don't mm -hmm. have to do any additation, any removal, as it is. We we were drinking it here, um, my flatmate and I asked, you know, we said, can we have a little bit of this? And we got a five liter jug and every morning we would have a, a little glass and it tastes, A, it's very healthy and tastes very refreshing at room temperature. We didn't have it in the fridge, but it, it tastes for those of you who, who hopefully you'll get to taste it, but if you, you, if you don't get the chance, it tastes a little bit like if you tasted a grappa, but the grappa didn't have alcohol or the orujo or like it's got the essence of like the pomace, but it's fleshier and just very fresh. And yeah, it was a joy to taste. I remember seeing it drip out of just kind of dripping out and onto the ground and into different vessels. And I looked at and it's like, Whoa, what? What is? What are you doing with that? And 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 Dimitri says, that's that's the grape water. And then you follow the tube all the way across the winery. You're like, oh, it's coming from the concentrator. And I hope that everybody gets a chance to taste it one day. Um, well, Dimitri, I, I will, okay, uh, one thing go to ahead, add in, in this taste description, it's a product which can preserve because it has no sugars, nothing. So it's it's a clear, transparent water that the one you get from the tap. But when it's young, you can feel the. it's very herbal, the grass part of, of the fresh wines. Hmm. It, it, it is the acidity, it's like wine, but it's not very kicking. Mm -hmm. And also there are a small amount of tannins, depends from what you produce. If, if it's red, there are stronger tannins component. And uh, uh, there are a lot of uh, uh, the polyphenols which are beneficial for that. Uh, uh, analysis show that 10% of the nutritive potential of the red wine is in grape water. Well, Dimitris Yorgas, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for allowing me to not only visit you today, but to um, have me in your home. Uh, uh, Cheers. <laughs> Thank you.
Thanks for listening to this episode of Scores and Pours with Jill Mott and Emily Reese. You'll find links and information about this episode, including a playlist, and you can support us financially at patreon.com slash scoresandpours. You'll also find a link to merchandise like hoodies and tees, corkscrews, and the like. We're on Instagram at Scores and Pours. You can consider supporting the musicians we featured today by buying their music. Edited by Emily Reese and Jill Mott. Our producer is Sam Keenan. Scores and Pours is a production of June Media Inc.